It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires. I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Rich Kirkpatrick. Rich, how's it going? It's going great. Good to be here. Glad to be yeah. here, that is. Good to be yeah. here too. Good good and glad. Good in yeah. all the things. Hey, uh, um, before we jump into the content for today, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and kind of who you are and, and uh, more about Rich, all about Rich. Well, um... A lot of people know me as a writer and a blogger. Since 2005, I had Rich Kirkpatrick's blog, which had many different variations, and um, uh, and as an author of a book, um, those who are worship leaders would know me from a book called "The Success of the Worship Leader." Yep. Um, and I've been serving in ministry at different different roles. I've been the somehow the creative person, the communications person, the worship leader. Uh, served on executive teams, so I've been the guy the other side of the desk. Um, who's had to make some, you know, fun institutional decisions over the years. Um, and now I'm uh, a writer, still author. I just finished a book called Mind Blown, uh, Unlock Your Creative Genius by Bridging Science and Magic. And the thing I love to do most is uh, when I get to coach and consult people, um, particularly people who are creatives and people who are leaders yep. and the intersection of how those things go and of course how faith intersects with all, all of those things too so it's a little uh, bit about me i love it p.s mind-blown fantastic book you nailed it it's a Thank great you. it's a great it's a great read recommended for any any creative anybody looking to understand creativity like it's just a great it's a great book diving in diving in farther it doesn't just scratch the surface you dive into some good some good uh, good stuff there well that's the nerd in me Right. <laughs> I want to find out, just don't tell me how to be more creative. Like, um, I want to know why, why exactly. is this, you know? So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, this month is a new month. We're in April and we're talking about, uh, we have a new topic. Um, and if you've been following this podcast for any length of time, you know that the whole month we kind of talk about the same thing. And this month's topic, uh, we're talking about how to be a creative on a staff of non-creatives. And oftentimes as the worship leader, you are a creative, and uh, you may, may there may be other creatives on staff, but for the most part, you're working with people who maybe don't understand you, um, and don't understand who you are. And is one of the reasons I wanted I want one of the reasons I wanted you on today, Rich, is one because your book was awesome and it you dive into this, but you've experienced a lot about this and um, understand this this space. Um, so first, kind of a kind of a just a beginning question here. Um, a lot of people. The first, the English language, I mean, we talk about creativity and being creative and we use that word a lot, but how would you define a creative? And um, mm. some people may not know that phrase or that terminology, um, but for how would you define, how would, how would you define a creative? Well, there is this um, sociological term, the creative class of people around the world. And um, when sociologists have looked at this, they said, this is the class of people, it's one of the most influential classes of people. So who are the creatives? Um, Bono from uh, U2, 
is a creative. He's somebody who not only is this artist and musician, but he's worked with the International Money Fund and other things to help um, countries and, and causes and things like that. So you take that to just in society, what a creative is, is a person who essentially, you know, has maybe an artistic uh, um, style to them, but they may not be an artist. But they're the guys and gals, uh, men and women and people who create, um, who make content, who, um, you know, may some of it blending over to entertainment, some of it blending over to science and policy. And, and of course, and there's those of us who uh, have worked in the church world who we are part of our ministries and we kind of carry that little, you know, that, um, that title, the creative person in the church. But yeah, so the creative person really is is not necessarily just an artist. It could be someone who, you know, has that way of thinking. They're they're the ones who look at I want to find the edges of the box and I want to get rid of the box if I can. You know, yeah. uh, what's the next thing? So we look to those people, and they the most visible, of course, are the crazy artists. The whether it's in the fashion world or the music world or whatever it is. But really, um, you know, sometimes it's the the, the business person who ends up you know, starting businesses in a way that no one's done it before. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, innovation. I mean, it comes to mind that like that using that word. And um, I like how you said, uh, finds the edge of the box or maybe gets rid of the edge of the box or jumps, gets out of the box. Uh, it's such a good, such a good thought there. What um, now we always talk about, we always uh, hear people talk about senior pastor and worship pastor relationships being hard. Um, and, you know, the any any worship conference you go to, there's a class on the worship pastor and senior pastor relationship and how to how to do that. Um, can you help us unpack that from a creative and a non-creative standpoint? Like what that what 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 what's going on in that relationship between between those uh, positions? Well, really, you have um, in humans, you have two kinds of brains. You have what they call a divergent thinker and a convergent thinker. And oftentimes, person who's a CEO or the leader type person who's good at managing power and playing chess and, and those kinds of things, they end up becoming like the senior pastor of churches that could hire you know, staff. Um, and that kind of mind is, is what we call the convergent mind. That's a person who looks you know, for the one right answer. What's the next one thing I got to do mm. on my list? And they, they see things in a straight line and they want to pile ahead on that that. Um, trajectory. And then you have the divergent thinkers. Um, and these are the artists. These are the people who ask why. Um, they're, they are the ones who end up being musicians or artists or um, dare I use the word prophetic because they're in their mind, they're looking for what um, is behind the veil. Let's reveal what's really going on under the surface, not just the next thing, but why, why did we do what we did? Uh, why? Um, and so, and these two things are interesting because the reason why there's a lot of conflict is because only 20% of our population have the kind of brain that's like the, the divergent thinker, like the artist who wants to ask questions. Um, most of our society can relate to the convergent thinker, as they call that, whose brain is looking for that one thing. So when you put these two people in the same room, the one of them is asking about, um, here is the trajectory we're going here are the steps or what steps should we take to get there? The other person is asking the question, why are we doing this? What does it mean? How can it inspire me and other people? What's a value? Um, and so you have a person uh, on one side of the table that's asking numbers, questions. 
we had people who complained about this. In fact, there were 10 people and the person's name is, and so it's this quantifiable thing. On the other side, you have um, the artist who's, who's asking these qualitative questions. Now, what happens and, and where I, I hope and why I even wrote this book, honestly, is, is to uh, um, deconstruct what's really going on. So both of these parties could actually understand that they, they really have to be creative. And, um, you know, every church wants a creative guy to lead that and, or gal that's going to put together something that's new and fresh for their church. Yep. They want that. They put that in the job description and they put it on your review, you know, how creative are you, whatever. But do they understand what that process is and their part in the process and your part in the process? So that's why there's a conflict because you have majority of society and people and, of course, the people in the leadership seat who have this one way of thinking and it's one way. <laughs> then you yep. have the other person who's thinking a thousand ways and they're asking questions not because they want to just mix things up because they want to know the edge of that box. They want to know how are things contained or not contained and where can I operate within that? Um, and why are we doing it? Yep. What is the value? Because the motive on one side is, is internal, intrinsic. The, the motivation the other person wants to, from the outside, get people um, to do things. And so these two ways of operating are not necessarily wrong, but how do you make it work? And that's the question. <laughs> now, can people oftentimes, uh, I've, I've had this conversation with other people about being creatives and non-creatives. Can you be in both camps, convergent and and divergent thinking? Yeah, the whole the whole premise of my the book I wrote and, and the research that I studied about was that we have to be. Yes. So as an artist, I'm also ADHD, so I have a divergent neuro, neurodivergent brain. So I will forget things. I'll get in a zone like a teenager who's playing a video game. I'll get in a zone doing something, and I may miss a meeting, but you can't do that and stay employed. So I have to learn how do I think about this structure or design a system so that I can make that. And so I took um, some courses on, they used to call it the day timer or the Franklin Covey system, which used to be a thing. Now they have new things out that's all online, but it was a system to teach me how to make sure that it was helping me think through those things like a convergent thinker. Yep. Some of these people don't need a list. They're photographic memories. I worked with a guy, photographic memory. Three years later, he, every word you said in a meeting, he could just recall it. No fair. But, I, even, yeah. but he wasn't creative at all. So, <laughs> but, the, but the point is both of these ways of thinking are very much needed and they don't have to be in competition. They have to be in collaboration um, where I then have to learn to either get help with some of these things that are more on that process side or I have to learn um, to do better at them, at least to manage them. The other person has to learn to give space for the, the things he can't do or she can't do where they just... You know, there's not always one right answer. So is that person open to seeing a palette of colors? Are they going to open their mind to seeing we don't just want to have one option? Maybe we could look for four. But the truth is, for successful innovators, you have to have hundreds of ideas. And you have to be able to manage both the emotion of giving away your best and favorite ideas, but also the stress of just having so much then you have to sort through. But that's where creativity gets exciting for some of us and gets stressful for the others. And so pastors, you know, they think we have enough ideas. Often 99% of the time, just like business people, they don't. And, um, and even some creatives, we are afraid to keep making ideas because if we keep hitting walls, then we get exhausted because then there's no internal motivation to keep going. 
And they think I'm paying you a check. It's external motivation. You should be fine, but it's not. And see, and that's where these things then become kind of, you have one tribe against another tribe, but and the other tribe isn't going to win, honestly. It's yes. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, I've been in that staff meeting when I'm just like, as you're talking, <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I, I, I have, under, I, this is, it's so good. Cause understanding, uh, cause you know, I, I have a creative brain, but also have a business brain. And, um, oftentimes those two go, go to bat in the middle and you, you, you see one fighting the other. My wife can look at me and go, your brains are fighting again, aren't they? I'm like, yes, yes, they are. As I have an idea, but like logistically that's not going to work, but like it's, it like tries to squelch my, my business brain tries to squelch the idea, but my idea on the other side is fighting. And, um, it's just, it's a funny, it was, as you're saying that I'm like, I've had that conversation in yeah. my head. <laughs> and the idea of, of the creative process in order to troubleshoot kind of where do we get stuck? Where are those blocks for us? Oftentimes it's realizing we can't do both of those things at the same time. Yeah. And I have a diagram in the book that actually shows these, you know, there's this wall and you have to decide is this time to focus or time to defocus? Is it a time to, in other words, defocus meaning finding, you know, opening the gate to more ideas or sorting those ideas? And you can't really do it at the same when you're sitting down in one moment. And this is kind of where we get stressed because they say, be creative. And the minute we're being creative, they're trying to sort our ideas. And then we do it to ourselves. So often what it means is I have a time where I'm going to sit down. I'm going to journal ideas. Or I'm going to get with a team. We're going to, you know, gather all these things together. But then there's another point of order when we have time to kind of take our breath where we're going to sort through. We're going to, we're going to look at it like an engineer and yep. test everything and shoot down the things that just aren't really you know, valuable. But the thing is you got to go back and forth. This is the bridge between science and magic. That's a metaphors I use for reasoning and logic versus imagination and mystery. And both those things have to, we have to bridge between them. You can't just set in one spot. You have to keep in motion like sandpaper back and forth, back and forth. And so then, but that's really hard because our leaders want it done. We want to get out of, the whatever stressful situation we got 52 weekends if you're a worship guy or gal in your church putting that together the leader has to you know and your team has to keep outputting but how are you inputting and how does your leadership collaborate with you to allow you so you feel fresh and internally motivated to um keep going yeah which leads us really well to the next question as as a creative it can be really easy to kind of roll with it and not pursue an idea that might get squashed when you're at, when you're working at a church or in a situation where you go, Oh my gosh, I'm dreaming about Easter. And what if we did X, Y, I mean, Easter's coming up. So you're like, I've dreamed about Easter and X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, we're looking at this simple version of, it's like, no, how do you, how, what are some, what are some tips to better communicate with my team? What I'm thinking. And also how do I know when it's the right time to roll with it versus kind of continue to push, and continue to try and communicate what I'm thinking and what I'm dreaming about to people who might not understand where I'm at in that, in that space. Wow. That's, that's a loaded question. Yeah. And a question I'm within ready, question. Ready, go. So I'm ready, go. Um, <laughs> wow. If I had the easy answer to that, I would probably, you know, be able to buy a car that works. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think one of the things is to not reveal, to not show all your cards until you're ready. Mm. So internally with your team or with yourself to be able to have a point where you could freely think and dream your ideas. Um, and then realize that if there are, are ideas 
um, that are going to work, you're going to have to role play a little bit. You're going to have to sit in an imaginary table with that pastor or whoever the team is, and you're going to have to test it. And role playing is a part of the creative process. Um, and sit and say, okay, I, after you, of course you, you gather all these dreams and ideas and things you want to do, you know, now you start to describe them to people. So that forces you to then you're going to hear yourself talk. Yeah. That's your first edit. Oh no, this person's going to shoot this down. This is not even worth the emotional energy of wasting that. This is some, an idea I love. I don't want to have it shot down. So I'm going to save that one until I know the meeting's going to go well. And so then you create kind of curated test list to bring to your staff and pastor, whoever it is. And then you present, here's what this is. And here's how I can get it done. You add that to there. So they understand you're serious about this and let them talk. And um, don't try to convince them because you're already convinced. And, you know, um, I worked for a pastor who was a, an engineer, a scientist, actually, two PhDs from MIT. He's a wonderful guy. Um, he, um, but he was a scientist. So he basically, when I'd come to him, he would say, give me a decision tree, which essentially is like an algorithm. Yeah. So that he could help decide out of the things I'm just inundating him with. Because he just wants, here's what we need to do next. So if I went with two ideas, it's either this or this, that's what gold. So what you want to do is you want to have some editing before you go. Maybe it's taking that pastor out to lunch before you have the official meeting and testing some things back and forth when it's not so that person's not in that role completely where they they know my job is to tear down this idea because I don't yeah. want us to fail. I want to win. So essentially it's, it's discovering your strength. If you're the creative person is coming up with lots of ideas, too many. And then it's figuring out what you're going to do with those and how you're going to present them. And you need a plan to do that. You need um, partners to do that. You need a place to do that. And the truth of it is you're going to find ideas that you feel so strongly about, but you really, if you're honest, know it, they ain't going to happen. But you still need to do them somehow. And so maybe that's an idea for a different season, a different place, yep. or a side thing that you get to do. And I think we don't want to limit ourselves and our motivation to keep creating based upon just what that institution and that one leader at that one meeting is going to decide for us. Um, so anyway, so that's one step is to come up with the ideas and then, then role play how to get them out and use the algorithm, you know, when you're role playing. The other thing, <clears throat> if I cannot forget my train of thought here, um, is probably really exciting, but I just forgot it. Oh, it's all um, good. It happens. Uh, but it's it's really about getting um, that that idea framed properly for the other person to receive it. Yep. Uh, and then it's also teaching them that, you know, I have more ideas, um, but I don't want to necessarily give you everything. So where, would you, where would you put vision and trust in that relationship, in that conversation? Vision and trust. Like vision um, and, yeah, and trust. Like how would that kind of come into that conversation? Well, do you trust um, the leader, first of yeah. all, is important because if they're safe, they got to understand your role. So you, part of it is educating them to trust you. This is part of my job. This is how I'm wired. This is what I bring to the table. I'm a person who is crafting these ideas, all of which I can deliver. That's important, by the way. It's not just the creative process isn't just about ideas. It's about getting them out the door yep. and being with it through the whole, through the whole um, uh, journey of, of creativity and letting them, them see that it's, it's a, the point here to here 
some of it's invisible to them. So they have to under, you have to educate. Here's what you're not seeing. You're not seeing how I come up with these ideas. And they may never understand. Um, but it's, it's important for them to, to appreciate. So you, they have to trust you that it takes work and effort yep. to even come up with ideas. And here's an example of why it's hard to get trust. Um, I used to, you know, do some graphics and I worked with graphic designers and sometimes, you know, an idea would come for say sermon series. Everybody wants to have beautiful sermon series graphics or whatever. And I was in that department. And so, um, meeting sermon series that evening, inspiration in the morning, the guy got inspired and gave me some mock-ups that were incredible. The next day we had a follow-up meeting. They were blown away by it. Now I was I'm toast now because they think that in 24 hours, that's what is going to happen all the time. Yep. Yep. And what they don't understand is that that's you know, not the norm. And so what that meant, you know, was then when the next one, we had to have five revisions to even get on the same page and no one was happy with that one, but it still was quality. It just wasn't the same was process. Yep. So they don't understand, but you know, so basically what, you know, if you're charging as a graphic designer, you take that one and you take your, hardest amount of hours it's going to take and you average in the middle and that's what you charge is in the middle so that way you know it's $500 worth of labor what you know may seem like it's only take five minutes over here on this side but it could take you know uh five full days of revisions um so in the middle is the happy medium of understanding of creativity you cannot necessarily just turn it on and off it's like it's like an athlete. You know that athlete needs rest. You need a bench. We don't have benches. We are the bench. Yep. So you have to create that pro in your process. And so the leader, the trust has to come with, here is what I bring to the table. Um, and, you know, you want a creative service. You want us to feel passionate about us. You want us to invigorate people's participation with us. But if we are constantly in the position of, of ideas being shot down, of not being able to make mistakes, not being able to share all our ideas because they're going to, you know, we don't know where, you know, if they're going to be accepted or not, then we're going to be quickly um, living inside, uh, kind of like uh, all that uh, kinetic energies can't get out, and eventually something's going to happen. We're going to burn out. Totally. I was in a, I was in a, uh, I was leading a training a few weeks ago at a church um, on using planning center, and the the pastor. Um, the lead pastor and at the beginning of the training said one of the things he wanted to do was get six weeks ahead in planning and with with the concept that being ahead in planning gives us freedom and space to to create as opposed to working week to week to try and get things <laughs> try and try and get things done and you're just accomplishing the tasks and um it was it was an amazing it was a great he's casting the vision to the church to going like i want to i want to do more than just try you know do more than just exist do more mm. than just be um and which opened up the door to a lot of conversations with people because because not now it's like oh like oh you're you're it was clearly stated like this is your purpose your 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 goal is that we actually open the door to creativity um and it was coming from the top down it was a great it's a great scenario in um just understanding understanding yourself and understanding who you are and um kind of made the whole room go oh I, I i can see that and i i can like now when i bring you my ideas it's in a place that's you're gonna trust what i'm doing because 
this is we have a relationship now and and, and you have six weeks before that one weekend to modify it to rethink it to yep. as opposed to it's either yes or no decision right. tree like the engineer guy I worked for where you're just you had to and so that's really that's a great level of trust and i tell you what the real leaders who do that will have a lot of creative stuff going on yeah and they'll love it and people love it and it'll be messy and it not it won't be easier right but it will certainly be a lot more uh, interesting and more human as as i always said creativity is just another word for what people do and if we uncork that part of us then you're going to see more people stuff and that's going to be exciting you're going to see more you know a mess too i love it now creatives tend to work weird hours like i don't know about you but you can't really it's hard to like put ideas in a nine to five like you know you you come up with ideas between nine and five now being being mindful of other staff members who maybe do work better in nine to five what are some ways uh to keep work at work and not always be in work mode um and kind of kind of not uh, i know i i struggle with this where it's like it'll be 10 o'clock at night and i'm like i just want to text that person this thing that i'm thinking and and then i'm like but am i breaching kind of breaching that level of like it's not the appropriate time to be sending messages how do you what are some ways to kind of keep keep that separate um in in a on a staff or in, a, in your position i think that's a it's, that's a really good question because i don't know if there's really just a right answer that just do an office hours what you need to do i do think it's okay though that that if you have certain boundaries from the other side that i don't want to be interrupted or i need to be present so i think that is the key is how do i need to be present during my week during my days and am i giving myself the accountability and the space to be present and what i mean by that is um there's people i work you know was my family just start there am i present enough for them am i bringing in things to the dinner table or to whatever that is going to take me to another place that i'm going to have to switch back and forth you know and you know i'm not saying you know get rid of your smartphone and i mean we we catch yourself playing games while we're sitting and watching a tv program and i don't judge that right. um and there's times for that you just need to like the space to like uh so you're you have an agreement to that but there's certain times where you need to be present for each other in in the relationships you have including including work and but professionalism gives us the ability to say you know on, on these hours someone could send me a text or email but i don't have to answer it truth i don't have to read it but if that person happens it's best for them maybe they're in a different time zone i don't know they're in hawaii and they they're already up uh, which is great for them um then great but that doesn't mean i have to be pulled out of my present time to where they are at and i think that's kind of asynchronous collaboration is the ability to decide um those things but with a value being how am i a human being being the best human being i can be in this day at this moment that i have right now and that's really the question and i think creatives need to kind of look at that because we're intrinsically motivated so we need to not look at external modifications of someone outside shaming me or my list shaming me that i'm not doing these five things this way right what i need to do is, is in creatives i think what we need to do um big we is find what is important to us and make sure that we're living up to it Yep. So if, if, if it's important to me to be available to others when I know something, knowing that they want to know right away and it doesn't hurt anything, then 
it's okay for me to send a little note and to excuse myself. But if my value is no, my evenings, I promised myself I value being detached because I need it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this is important to me. Even though I may have the urge to do something, I'm going to do that. And that's how you decide these things. And that's why I think a lot of times in our faith, we, have, we look for rules um, in, in the Christian faith in a way. And because shame externally, those are the people who write the books and end up being the spiritual directors. And they don't understand that we need internal motivation. We need to understand why doing this, why the Sabbath is for man, Jesus said, not for God. God is for us, and therefore all the Ten Commandments are written in a way that help us be better versions of what we're supposed to be, right. um, and, and both as a community and as individuals. So, like loving God is the best thing for us. And wh- what? But we can. So that the the motivation and the culture where a lot of the Hebrew texts and things were written from um, ha- happened to uh, support this this more artistic flow. I think their society might have been eighty percent divergent thinkers and maybe less. Uh, because of, of just the pressure of uh, you know dreaming and, and prophecies and things were a lot more accepted in different cultures. But we took Aristotle's lead and the Greeks, and we kept going and running with this through the Enlightenment, where we're looking for external things and a list of things to keep us on track. So my advice, just to summarize that, is lists are good, but what your motivation, remember what the why is. Why am I doing that? Oh, because I want to be present. So I have a list of things I need to do to keep accountable. So I'm going to live up to what I promised myself. And in order to do that, you know, it's like love your neighbor as yourself. I have these, this, this triangulation I need to understand that, you know, I need space to do the things that are most important for me. And so, yeah, if, if it was, uh, depending two different people asking the same question, 10, 10 PM text, yes or no. Guy, A, yes, B, maybe absolutely not. Me, on the, uh, the person receiving the text, I have to be open to, that's up to them. That's not my monkey. Yep. And I don't have to answer it. Even if it's going to come, I could put do not disturb on my, in fact, I have it right now, just so people don't like interrupt me as I'm talking to you. It's a great feature. So, and that's fine. Yep. Thanks. This is so good. I'm, uh, I'm over here taking notes. This is... I love all this. I love what you're talking about here. Um, I love the, I love kind of bringing this, bringing this into light. Cause it's, it's something that as a worship leader, I mean, it's just going to kind of be an ongoing, not a, a struggles, the wrong word, but ongoing thing that you just, it's a, it's a, it's engaging in society and it's engaging in, in a place. Um, and I, I've just kind of thinking through people in circles that I'm in under knowing that you say uh, it's the 20% kind of 20% and 80% of, you know, convert, convergent not, and, and divergent thinkers like that percentage wise, it's like, yeah, I'm, you're probably, we're in a smaller category and um, which is why it feels like oftentimes misunderstood in, in a lot of times. And so, uh, yeah, so good, man. I appreciate this. Now we call our podcast the table. Um, and I believe good conversation happens over good food and uh, especially I just, I like to eat. So, um, if I was coming over to your house for dinner, what would be on the table? What would you be serving? Well, that's a good question. Probably something that I'd make or that I'd probably order, probably order Thai or um, Himalayan food around the street. If I couldn't have time to that, I would serve that cause it's an incredible little Himalayan restaurant. Himalayan food. 
What is Himalayan food? I, it's this... kind of like Indian food, South Asian food, but it's okay. little the higher elevation, the, the less spice or different kinds of spices they'll, okay. they'll put to similar similar kinds of things that you'd be used to with Indian food. Yeah, um, but in the Himalayans, um, and uh, but that'd be one. The other would be if I had time, I'd probably make pasta. Okay. And I'll probably roll it out and um, actually actually make pasta, not actually throw, make pasta, not throw pasta in boiling water. You'd actually pasta make... are pasta are bread because pastas it's great. Everyone loves pasta except those who are you know gluten intolerant. But yep, right, 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 right. So you know, there you go. Sounds delicious. Uh, there's a Himal so there's a Himalayan restaurant around the corner from your house. There sure is. Oh, that um, delicious. So you come over here. All, to... There's all there's all these choices. Ah, I love. And now he's making pasta. That's a pretty long process. It's not really as long because you don't need to dry it out like or like uh, bread, which I like making bread. I get better at it. Um, where you have to like wait, you know, a certain amount of time to see things rise. No, there's no yeast or anything in there. You just mix it up and knead it, and machines do some of the work. Yeah, and you just boil it. Five minutes later, you got some pasta, and what you put on it. Mm. Lots it's of all, stuff. all the options, all the options. All, all the options. I think I love as a creative. I think I love making food, and because uh, then you get to see everything's different. You know, let's try this and see what happens. Let's try this and see what happens. Well, I'd um, make coffee, of course, regardless, even if there was no meal, because that's something I do every day, about four or five times a day for myself and my family members. So, yep. so that would be, you know, I could have let out with that, but no matter what time of day. It's like, say, you come over. Um, you're always going to be offered espresso or something like that. This is good. This is why we're. This is why we're friends. I like that. <laughs> um, so, hey, tell us how we can connect with you. Tell us how we can uh, in your your books and your and your blog and and you're doing a cool thing with an audio blog. There's just some. T tell us all the things. Well, I, the book is called Mind Blown, um, and you can find that on Amazon. There's an audio book. There's Kindle. In fact, the Kindle version right now for a limited time is free if you have Amazon Prime. So some of you think, I, I'm interested, but I don't have any change. Well, please go get the book because it, it's there for you. You already paid for it. Um, and then uh, paperback, you can order probably from anywhere. So that's my book. But my blog is rkblog.com. And I do uh, every so often uh, write some articles, five to eight minutes. And I actually have an audio audio blog slash podcast, which is not like a real podcast like this one. It's just one where you can listen to um, me read the article. That deep, yeah. that deep announcer voice that you have. It just deep kinda, announcer voice. It just works. It just works in the, all of the, all I'm, of the I'm not going to cut out, you know, the 50 Hertz. I'll make sure I leave that. You'll leave in it in there. <laughs> That's awesome. What is, uh, what, what, what are we searching for on the blog? Just your name? Yeah. You can oh, search sorry, Rich, on the, on the Rich Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Um, yeah, just Rich Kirkpatrick's blog or RK blog. Um, you'll find it there and awesome. RK somehow, you know. But yeah, rkblog.com, you'll find it all. And um, and also the worship team that I sing with, A Beautiful Liturgy. Love it. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you hanging out today. I appreciate the all the things that you bring to this conversation as we kind of unpack creativity and creatives this month. Um, I was like, we got to start with the guy. The guy. You're the guy. You're the book guy. You wrote a book, so I have that you're the guy now. Um, but anyway, cool man. I, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you hanging out, and uh, we will see everybody next week.